commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Soul Patrol Jesus 911. I guess I'm a one-man car. I'm waiting for Paul Clay to come on any minute now. Hey, um, hope you have, well, as Catholics, Christmas is so powerful for us as Catholics, the birth of Jesus Christ, that we just entered into the octave of Christmas. We celebrated for eight days. It's just not a one-day thing for us. So your lights should still be on. Your tree should still be up because we celebrated for eight days, just like the the resurrection Easter Sunday the resurrection is such a powerful event both ends the birth of Christ and the resurrection of Christ are are such monumental events in the body of Christ in Christianity that for us it's an eight-day celebration and by the way the number eight for the Jews means eternal life that's what the number eight means for the Jews it means eternal life or divine life also today is a, an incredible saint that we celebrate today, it's St. Stephen the Martyr. Pray for us. Here's a hymn I'm going to share on St. Stephen the Martyr. Stephen, first of Christian martyrs, let the church in hymns proclaim, mirroring the Savior's passion, thus he won immortal fame. For his foes he prayed forgiveness while they stoned him unto death. To the Lord his soul commending, as he yielded up his breath. Holy Spirit, gift of Jesus, shed that light upon our eyes that we may behold with Stephen that fair realm beyond the skies where the Son of Man in glory waits for us at God's right hand, King of saints and hope of martyrs, Lord of all the pilgrim band. St. Stephen, pray for us. And the Bible tells us in Matthew 20, 10, 22, since St. Stephen knew about this, you will be hated by all because of my name, but whoever endures to the end will be saved. I know we're probably tempted to sentimentalize the mystery of Christ's birth, but the church today sets before us the example of Stephen, first of martyrs, icon of the crucified Christ. Bethlehem is the prelude to Calvary. We may not merely stand adoring at the crib, we must also follow Christ to the cross. Let's not forget that. St. Stephen, whose name means crown, that's what the name Stephen means, crown or garland, was the first to gain the crown of martyrdom in the church. The account of Stephen's death is a short course in the martyrdom that would define Christian life in the first four centuries. After engaging in a debate with Hellenistic Jews, Stephen recounts for them their own history as fulfilled in Christ. To the ears of his accusers, Stephen's words are blasphemy. Stephen's marvelous countenance, like an angel, is a further irritant. They drag him outside the city to stone him. Stephen, filled with the Holy Spirit, has a vision of Christ. And before he dies, he forgives his tormentors. <clears throat> and uh, <clears throat> the gates of heaven were opened for blessed Stephen, who was to be found to be the first of the among the number of martyrs, and therefore is crowned in heaven. He is crowned in heaven. <clears throat> Grant, Lord, we pray that we may imitate what we worship 
and so learn to love even our enemies. For we celebrate the heavenly birthday of a man who knew how to pray even for his persecutors through our Lord Jesus Christ, your son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God forever and ever. Amen. And I love the words of St. Stephen where he says, when he's dying, when he's being killed, he says, I see heaven opened. Mm. Behold, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Every single one of us, as we die, guess what? We're going to see Jesus standing at the right hand of God the Father. Now, some people will see Jesus unto eternal life, and some people will see Jesus on their way to eternal damnation. Hey, uh, <clears throat> December's still the month dedicated to the Immaculate Conception, but now we are in the Christmas season, no longer Advent. We are now in the Christmas season. So you'll find the, the liturgical colors at Holy Mass are white and gold, a symbol of joy, purity, and innocence. Let's, uh, let me go on to today's topics on the rundown on Jesus 911. Kind of an awareness. I want to share with you what's called the Pharisaical Word Games of the U.S. Bishops. Then, I'd like to share with you, Cardinal Mueller said, the West would put Jesus in jail today for his teaching on marriage. Chuckle, chuckle. I agree with him. And then I also want to share with you about a retired Brazilian Orthodox bishop who criticized the Amazon Synod, and now he's about to experience <clears throat> Pope Francis's mercy. So, the pharisaical word games from the U.S. bishops the Catholic Church has always had blessings for people and items. Blessings for people are usually for individuals, but occasionally a priest may bless groups living in a vocation designed by God like a family. Blessings for items can be anything from a vehicle to a crucifix. But there is a new document from Cardinal Fernandez that reads... Uh, number three, blessings of couples in irregular situations and of couples of the same sex. In paragraph 31, it says, Within the horizon outlined here appears the, the possibility of blessings for couples in irregular situations and for couples of the same sex, the form of which should not be fixed ritually by ecclesial authorities to avoid producing confusion with the blessing proper to the sacrament of marriage. Close quote. Then we have Catholic News Agency. They have an article entitled U.S. Bishops or U.S. Diocese Response to Vatican Declaration on Same-Sex Couples. It says the article interviews Bishop Andrew Cousins of the Diocese of Crookston, Minnesota and Cardinal Sean O'Malley of the Archdiocese of Boston and Cardinal Blaise Supich of the Archdiocese of Chicago. In the article, Bishop Cousins thankfully referred to marriage as existing between a man and a woman. He also mentioned repentance and conversion for those who wish to follow Christ in discipleship. This is also good, but then he said, although it is impossible for us to bless a same-sex union, 
since any sexual union outside of the marriage of the man of the one man and one woman is contrary to the gospel we may bless individuals who are not yet living in full accord with the gospel even those in same sex unions now father dave nix who wrote this article says this doesn't make any sense if the only thing bishop cousins meant to say to catholic news agency was quote, we priests and bishops can obviously bless anybody, close quote, then he should have said, quote, we priests and bishops can obviously bless anybody and left that at that, but he didn't. So we've got to ask, why would Bishop Cousins write about the blessing of someone who struggled with same-sex attraction as a blessing for someone in a same-sex union? If that person were actually struggling, struggling for chastity, in fact, why would it matter if the recipient of the blessing were not aiming for chastity if we priests can actually bless any person or any object? I assume this is because the bishop wants to defend the heretical paragraph number 31 above from the Vatican website calling for, quote, the possibility of blessings for couples in irregular situations and for couples of the same sex. While while still not going full bore, heresy, uh, like Cardinal Fernandez. He must have forgotten that the traditional magisterium of the Catholic Church states that making any defense of the ill done makes one accessory to another sin, including heresy. And yes, paragraph 31, <clears throat> Father Dave Nix writes, is a heresy encouraging blessings for couples in irregular situations and for couples of the same sex. Question, would any U.S. bishop approve of a child trafficker and an abused child being blessed together or separate by a priest as long as there were some amorphous pledge of future repentance and conversion on the part of the sex trafficker? Of course not. Especially if the trafficker identified trafficking as the impetus for the actual request of the priest's blessings. No, that person obviously needs to go to the confessional, not receive a blessing. I recently heard a woman my age speak on the Focus YouTube about how she has struggled her whole life with same-sex attraction. But says she doesn't like to be pigeonholed into that sin when there's so much more to the story of her falls and redemption than, than just that one thing. In fact, she said something very beautiful and powerful on that topic of same-sex attraction. She said, quote, Satan calls you by your sin. Jesus calls you by your name. That's a good point. Satan calls you by your sin. Jesus calls you by your name. Translated into today's topic, why do we have to talk about blessing chaste Catholics with same-sex attraction? If we really believe they are first sons and daughters of God, we'll continue discussing this. Jesus 911, article by Father Dave Nix, great theologian, called Pharisaical Word Games from the U.S. Bishop. We'll be back. Now, Back to Jesus 911. 
If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. We're back. Jesus 911, one-man car. I'm talking about uh, Father Greg Nix wrote an incredible article. It's uh, about the wordsmithing that we see in the Catholic Church, the verbal engineering. The article's called Pharisaical Word Games from the U.S. Bishops. And uh, he's calling our bishops to task. I like where Father Dave Nix writes this. He says, you know, uh, Satan calls you by your sins. Jesus calls you by your name. Translated into today's topic, why do we have to talk about blessing chaste Catholics with same-sex attraction if we really believe they are first sons and daughters of God? Why would so many American priests and bishops play into the Vatican's insistence that we call same-sex attracted people by their sin as we priests approach them to bless them? Why approach any Catholic based on their struggles instead of their baptismal identity? I suspect it is because many don't believe in sin or redemption by the blood of Jesus. But a few do, and even they seem woefully ignorant of the fact that a change in the practice of the blessings of the Catholic Church will immediately affect the change in the lifestyle of the baptized. In other words, gay civil union blessings will most certainly lead to gay marriages in mainstream liberal Catholic parishes. This happens practically whether or not hand-wringing bishops want to see this happen doctrinally or not. I'll give you an example. The way things just start progressing. Incrementalism. Remember, the documents of Vatican II says Gregorian chant should be given pride of place in the Mass. Let me ask you a question. How many of you hear Gregorian chant on Sundays at your Novus Ordo Parish. It's right of the documents of the Vatican too. How about this? Yep. The church's documents say that the extraordinary minister of Holy Communion, uh, which, is, which are lay people, may administer Holy Communion on extreme circumstances. Extreme circumstances. How many of you see lay people distributing Holy Communion every Sunday? Those aren't, those aren't extreme circumstances. That's an abuse. How about this? That, uh, <clears throat> that uh, church documents say that female altar service should be extremely rare. <laughs> you go to some parishes, all the, female, all the altar servers are female. Same thing's going to happen to this. The document says in fine print that you can't, bless same-sex unions, guess what happened? Father Martin, James Martin, and others have started blessing same-sex unions in violation of what the document says. Why? Because they're going to say it's the spirit of the document that matters. The spirit of the document allows us to do that. All in all, Father Dave Nix writes, I think we see that the Vatican Vatican document linked to this article is barely more honest than the so-called conservative bishops who will play word games in their dioceses simply to avoid falling into the denotation of heresy or fall short of doing damage control for the Vatican. But we will all answer for our denotation and connotation. 
This is something the first century Pharisees probably didn't realize until their condemnation. Some bishops of the U.S. would rather defend the blessing of mortal sin than admit the obvious, namely, that heresy is currently being produced in such documents. In fact, many U.S. bishops would apparently either remain silent or bless one of the four major sins that cries out to heaven for vengeance than simply indicate the commandeering that happened in the Vatican in 2013. This evil has led to, dis- to the destruction of souls, vulnerable souls struggling with certain disorders who were redeemed by the blood of Christ, yet may be unable to attain it as they are deceived by imposters who pose as shepherds. Someone in the hierarchy needs to fully stop this madness by beginning an honest appraisal of the canonical crimes that happened in Rome during 2012 and 13. Nothing will get fixed until that happens. And that that admission of duress in Pope Benedict XVI's putative resignation will also provide the linchpin to all these heretical documents that no one needs to defend. Father Dave Nix, he posts here an, an, an X, an X uh, message put out by Bishop Robert Barron, who, by the way, has been really criticized for his position on the document Fiducia Supplicans. <clears throat> and uh, it says, Father Dave next writes, homosexuals could always receive could always receive blessings just like anybody else. This move was was to give everyone that the idea that homosexual couplings are OK, period, the end. And most everybody knows it. Cardinal Mueller weighs in. He says that that the, the West would put Jesus in jail today for his teaching on marriage. Cardinal Mueller, he says, I believe that today Jesus would not be condemned only because he is a Messiah, but would, would in the USA and European countries go to prison because he spoke out the truth about marriage between a man and a woman. On December 17th, Cardinal Gerhard Mueller made some strong comments on the state of Western countries today. According to, according to Cardinal Mueller, Jesus Christ would not only be condemned for being the Messiah, but also for his teaching on marriage as being between one man and one woman. The prelate responded to a comment by Rees Mogg, who said that it seems Pope Francis has taken some challenging positions on trans people. Cardinal Mueller's remarks were given a day before Francis and Cardinal Victor Emmanuel Fernandez's issued the December 18th document, Fiducia Supplicans, which permitted clerics to bless couples in irregular situations and same-sex couples, pointing out that the pastoral concern for the salvation of every person is the duty of any priest, bishop, and pope. Cardinal Mueller insisted in his reply that Christ gives everybody a chance of conversion and a new beginning. But Jesus also contradicts the ideas or the the ideologues who want to relativize or even destroy marriage of man and woman and the family of the parents with their own children. He went on to say, adding, quote, I believe that today Jesus would not be condemned only because he's the Messiah, but he would in the USA and the European countries go to prison because he spoke out the truth between about marriage between a man and a woman with these words. Cardinal Mueller reminded us of the saying of Jesus Christ that Christians 
will be persecuted for his sake. Rees Mogg went on to question the prelate about the papal treatment of both Bishop Joseph Strickland and Cardinal Raymond Burke. Well, Cardinal Mueller said he does not know, he does not know more about Bishop Strickland and Cardinal Burke than what is written in the newspapers. He says, I can personally testify that both are devout Catholics and zealous pastors. In fact, Cardinal Mueller said about Burke, he said, Cardinal Burke is the most highly qualified canonist in, in, in the College of Cardinals. And be, before remarking that the idea that Burke and Strickland are enemies of the Pope only shows the unchristian spirit of the authors of such absurd accusations. On the contrary, the German prelate proposed a dignified dialogue with Burke and Strickland instead of treating them harshly, instead of taking drastic measures that only put the church in, in the negative headlines, Colonel Mueller expounded, I propose a respectful dialogue between men who, because of their Episcopal ordination, are appointed by Christ himself to be shepherds of his church and to treat each other like brothers. He called these conflicts superfluous challenges and struggles. In his concluding remarks of the interview, Cardinal Mueller relayed a Christmas message for his audience. He first quoted Pope Leo the Great's Christmas appeal, which reads, Christians, recognize your dignity and consider the price at which you were redeemed from the slavery of death, sin, depression, and the prison of the meaninglessness of life without God. Then commenting on these papal words, he urged everyone to become aware of their own dignity and to place all their hope in life and death in the little child in the manger. God does not come in the, in the glory of power and money and renown, but in the humility of the child, the crucified, young man on Calvary, and in the light of the risen Christ on Easter morning. Cardinal Mueller says, in Christ we find the meaning and goal of our lives. You're listening to Jesus 911, and we're just putting the spotlight of truth upon this culture of death. We must speak the truth to power and live without fear. We have to be like a lighthouse amidst the gathering storm. What's our goal? Pray America great again. What's our goal? Pray America great again. We fight for altar and throne to one day be inseparably, inseparably united under Christ the King forever. And so, where most men work for degrees after their names, we work for ones before our names. ST. It's a much more difficult degree to attain. Getting that ST before your name, you don't go to college for that. It takes a lifetime of faith and virtue and prayer. And you don't get your diploma until you're dead. Remember, Catholics, we're called to be great saints. Do not miss the opportunity. Up next, I'm going to talk about uh, a retired Brazilian bishop who's about to get um, canceled. Yep, he's about to get canceled by the Pope. So this will be prelate number 32 in terms of cardinal, uh, archbishops, uh, cardinals, priests. This next bishop will be the 32nd bishop to be canceled by Pope Francis. 
And then after that, on the last segment, you don't want to miss it. I'm going to give you my reflection on Christmas. What is Christmas all about? You don't want to miss it. I'm going to give you my reflection on what Christmas is all about on the last segment. So, next on the rundown. The nuncio, the nuncio over in Latin America, he asked a Brazilian bishop who criticized the Amazon Synod to leave the prelature. That's what we're going to be talking about. There's a holy bishop, Bishop Emeritus, Jose Luis Ascona. He's, uh, he's from San Pablo, Brazil. Well, he's been, leased, he's been asked to leave the territory of his former diocese. Stick around, we'll be right back. Jesus 9112, one man car. Don't go anywhere, be right back. Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency, dial 888-526-2151. Soul Patrol, Jesus 911, one-man car. My name is Jesse Romero. Merry Christmas season. As Catholics, we celebrate Christmas for eight days. It's such a powerful, powerful day event that uh, it just takes us it takes us many days to take it all in and so that's what we're going to be uh as catholics we're going to be celebrating for the next uh, eight days and remember the, the the word eight means eternal life that's what eight means it means eternal life i want to talk about next on the rundown a holy bishop emeritus Bishop Ascona is going to have to leave Marajo in January next month when the new bishop, Jose Lonelton Lisboa de Oliveira, appointed by Pope Francis at the beginning of November, takes office. Why? Well, the Apostolic Nuncio in Brazil, Archbishop Giambattista de Quatro, has asked Bishop Emeritus Jose Luis Hermoso to no longer live in the territory of the prelature of Marajo where he served the Catholic people for almost 30 years. Yep, they're about to strickland him. They're about to pavone him. This holy retired bishop, Bishop Oscano Hermoso, relayed the news to Father Casimirs and Tony Skorky, who's the diocesan administrator of the prelature, who in a December 9th Instagram post said the prelature had not received any notice from the nuncio nor been given any reason for the move. It looks like the same thing that they did to Strickland and many others. The Pope just removes them. No canonical process, no canonical court. Just get out. You're fired. 
The Apostolic Nuncio is the representative of the Holy See who serves as the ambassador of the Pope in the countries that maintain diplomatic relations with the Vatican. So the Apostolic Nuncio speak for the Pope. Well, the prelature of Marajo was created by Pope Pius XI in 1928. It currently encompasses nine municipalities on the island at the mouth of the Amazon River that belongs to Pada State and is a suffragan see of the Archdiocese of Belém do Pará. Bishop José Luis Ascona, this good holy retired bishop, was born in Pamplona, Spain, and was the Bishop of Marajo from 1987 to 2016. As Bishop Emeritus, Bishop Luis Ascono was one of the few voices that criticized some aspects of the 2019 Amazon Synod, noted for the call to ordain married men and women deacons and the establishment of an Amazonian rite that incorporated indigenous elements into Catholicism, which we call syncretism. This holy retired bishop, Jose Luis Ascona, also criticized the advance of Christ crucified in the Instrumentum Laboris, or working document of the Synod, drawing back or drawing attention to the lack of the central element of proclaiming the gospel in the Pope's document, Instrumentum Laboris. So the former Bishop of Marajo pointed out that the working document did not address the real problems facing the region of the Amazon. This holy retired bishop, José Luis Ascona, also warned about the lack of mention of sin in the lives of the indigenous peoples in the working document in addition to warning about the scandal and idolatry caused by the use of Pachamama images during the Amazon Synod events. Ah, that's what got him in trouble. I'll tell you right now. Speaking about against Pachamama, this is what got him in trouble. Bishop Ascona, who's retired, criticized that the working document equated Christianity with Christianity with other religions, denying the uniqueness and exclusivity of Christ as the way for salvation of all men. A profoundly secular vision took hold of the Instrumentum Laboris, the bishop said, in 2019. During the Synod, there was also debate about the possibility of abolishing priestly celibacy in the Amazon, alleging that abstinence is a concept that could not be understood by the indigenous people. So Bishop Ascona, this holy retired bishop, firmly defended the doctrine of the church in this regard. He said, Bishop Ascona pointed out, the first step towards solving the problem of celibacy is not the abolition of it. It is, on the contrary, enculturating the gospel as the profound values, vital aspirations, anthropological roots of certain culture, it's not the indigenous culture that encounters insurmountable difficulties in understanding celibacy. It's because there was no real enculturation of the gospel among them. Close quote. This holy bishop emeritus, he pointed out that, quote, it's not an indigenous worldview 
that determines evangelization and establishes what can or cannot be accepted in the gospel of Jesus Christ, close quote. And so, in 2009, Bishop Ascona, he denounced cases of pedophilia and sexual exploitation of children, adolescents, in Marajo by local politicians and businessmen. So he's a whistleblower. This bishop, this holy bishop, Ascona, he, uh, he doesn't put up with nonsense. He tells it like it is. And so the fact that he points out, he speaks truth to power, this is why he's in trouble right now. Bishop Ascona, his complaint back in 2009, denouncing pedophilia and sexual exploitation of children, that complaint led to a parliamentary investigation commission of pedophilia in the Legislative Assembly of Para and in the National Congress. According to the newspaper O Liberal de Para, Bishop Ascona will have to leave Marajo in January when the new bishop, Jose uh, Lonelton Lisboa de Oliveira, appointed by Pope Francis at the beginning of November, takes office. Bishop Jose Lonelton Lisboa de Oliveira served as vice president of the Pastoral Land Commission beginning in 2018. He acted as interim president of the of the uh, Parliamentary Investigation Commi- Commission. He's also part of the Pan-Amazon Ecclesial Network created by Pope Francis after the Synod on the Amazon. This is very sad to see this pattern in the last going on 11 years of Pope Francis where you have some wonderful, good, holy priests, bishops, cardinals, archbishops who because they speak truth to power are being canceled. That's uh, it's mind-blowing what we're seeing right now. We have to continue paying, praying for Pope Francis. And I know everybody here does because our audience is very faithful. And so I know that that uh, all of you are praying your daily rosary. Yeah, we need to be praying our daily rosary for the Pope. In fact, I'm so inspired right now. I'm going to pray right now for all of our priests, bishops, and Pope. I just felt like the Lord has called me to pray for them. And so let me pray for all the Pope and all the bishops and cardinals and priests, especially the bad ones. Name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for them. St. Joseph, patron of the of the Universal Church, pray for them. St. Michael, defender in battle, pray for them. St. Peter the Rock, upon which Christ built his church, pray for them. St. Paul, protector of the faithful remnant, pray for them. St. Francis of Assisi, rebuilder of the church, pray for them. St. Anthony, hammer of heretics, pray for them. St. Pius V, restorer of the beauty of the sacred liturgy, pray for them. St. Pius X, full of modernism, pray for them. St. Catherine of Siena, pray that Christ's vicar may oppose the spirit of the world. St. John Fisher, pray that bishops may have the courage to combat heresy and irreverence. St. Francis Xavier, pray that zeal for souls may be rekindled 
in the clergy. St. Charles Borromeo, pray that seminarians may be protected from false teachings. St. Vincent de Paul, pray that seminarians may return to a life of prayer and meditation. St. Therese of the Child of Jesus, pray that religious may rediscover their vocation of love and sacrifice. St. Thomas More, pray that the lady may not succumb to the great apostasy. St. Francis de Sales, pray that the Catholic press may again become a vehicle of truth. St. John Bosco, pray that our children may be protected from immoral and heretical instruction. St. Paschal, pray that profound reverence for the most blessed sacrament may be restored. St. Dominic, pray that we may ever that we may ever treasure the Holy Rosary. And now I pray. Jesus, our God, in these dark hours when thy mystical body is undergoing its own crucifixion and when it would almost seem to be abandoned by God the Father, have mercy, we beg of thee, on thy suffering church. Send down upon us the divine consoler to enlighten our minds and strengthen our wills. Thou, O second person of the most holy trinity, who canst neither be deceived, neither deceive nor be deceived, have promised to be with the church until the end of time. Give us a mighty faith that we may not falter. Help us to do thy holy will always, especially during these hours of grief and uncertainty. May thy most sacred heart and the immaculate and sorrowful heart of the Holy Mother be our refuge, our sure refuge in time and in eternity. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Pray for your priest every day. Pray for the Pope every day, especially the Pope. Hey, up next, I'm going to talk about what Christmas means. My reflection on Christmas. Up next, the baby from Bethlehem is now the Lion of Judah. What is that? Now, back to Jesus 911. If this call is not an emergency... Dial 888-526-2151. Soul Patrol, Jesus 911, one-man car, Jess Romero, at your service. Merry Christmas, family, and I hope you're going to have a happy new year. Remember us, Christmas, for Catholics, we celebrate it for eight days. It's the season of Christmas. Keep your lights on. Let the neighbors know that we Catholics celebrate this for eight days. Keep your tree up. Let me give you my reflection on Christmas, okay? When we think of Christmas, we can be easily distracted, distracted with thoughts of, you know, cute, cuddly little babies, a little baby in a manger, in a beautiful manger, cute, chubby angels, little lambs, and the three wise men. Now, those images rightly remind us of the gentleness and the tenderness of God, and not only the, and the humility of God, that God became a baby. Can you imagine that? The gentleness, the humility, and the tenderness of God. But let's not forget and erase from our minds that the little baby from Bethlehem is also the line of Judah and the Lord who made heaven and earth and the King of Kings. There's a verse in the Bible that describes Jesus' humility. It's in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. The Bible says, quote, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to ransom those under the law, 
so that we might receive adoption as proof that you are children. God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying out, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child, then also an heir through God. Close quote. That's what Christmas time is. When the fullness of time had come, God sent his son born, into the, born of a woman. But don't be fooled. Don't be fooled by the disguise. This little baby is Jesus Christ. Yep, this little baby is Jesus Christ. He's, he is also called, remember, he is also called Emmanuel, which means God with us. He's now come in the flesh. And, and Jesus Christ, the God-man, came for one solitary mission, to destroy the works of the devil. 1 John 3, 8. The works of the devil were established through sin and disobedience. Remember, Jesus Christ is called our Savior. Why? Well, because we were prisoners of war, POWs. Let's take a trip down memory lane. Remember General George Patton and General Douglas MacArthur during World War II, leading the Allied force against the Nazi war machine. Remember the morning of June 6, 1944, the beginning of the Normandy invasion, with American soldiers preparing for the perils of landing on Omaha Beach and struggling against the entrenched German infantry who had the high ground. They had machine guns and artillery fire, which cut down many of the American troops who landed on the beach to save France from the Nazi war machine. Likewise, our Lord and Savior came to take back that which was stolen by the devil. Christmas is our D-Day, our Normandy invasion. Our Lord was deployed to save us as He navigates through bombs and grenades and machine gun fire and IEDs and landmines and mortars with all of us on His shoulders. All of us on His shoulders as He takes us to safety through the dangers of this world to the kingdom of heaven. That's why the cross is a war memorial. That's a spot where we beat our enemy. The first Adam lost the fight against Satan in a garden because he was afraid to suffer and die for his bride. The second Adam the rematch defeated Satan in another garden because he embraced suffering and was not afraid to die for his bride, the church. 
Jesus Christ destroyed the kingdom of Satan that controlled the entire human race through death by rising from the dead and demonstrating that death could not hold him down. Death is not the final word. Death has no power over Jesus. His saving work continues throughout time, throughout space, through his one holy Catholic and apostolic church. We need to remember, we the laity, we are the warriors in the church militant that we are, as Pope Leo XIII declared, born for combat. And combat can be long and arduous. It can take a toll on us, wear us down. That's why Job chapter 7 verse 1 says, Life on earth is warfare. That's why Job chapter 7 verse 1 says, Life on earth is warfare. This is why we have to be always vigilant, alert, committed, and battle ready. Why? Because we're soldiers of Christ. That's why. Why? Because we're soldiers of Christ. That's why the Bible uses all kinds of military terms. So what is the world? The world is enemy-occupied territory. C.S. Lewis says, Christianity is a story of how the rightful king has landed in disguise and is calling us all to take part in a great campaign of sabotage. When you go to church, you're listening to the secret wireless communication from our friends. That is why the enemy is so anxious to prevent us from going to church. When we go to church, God is speaking to us through Morse code. He's giving us orders. Plainly spoken, because of Jesus' unconditional sacrificial love, we're free from the bondage of sin. And we do not have to live in fear of the enemy or the deep, dark realm of the abode. When the Father drafted the Son for spiritual warfare, Jesus could have refused deployment. Instead, Jesus accepted the mission and boldly triumphed over our adversary, sealing our freedom and our place in eternity. Remember, the Scripture says, quote, For freedom, Christ has set us free. So stand firm and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. Galatians 5.1 And the Bible tells us about Jesus Christ's mission of saving the lost. Luke chapter 19 verse 10 It says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. That's why Jesus Christ was deployed by God the Father to planet earth like a paratrooper. In Ezekiel chapter 34, verse 16, the prophet also tells us 
the Lord says, I will seek the lost and I will bring back the strayed and I will bind up the crippled and I will strengthen the weak and the fat and the strong I will watch over. I will feed them in justice. As Catholics, one day, one day we're going to hear, if we live and die in a state of grace, we're going to say these words at the general judgment as we rise. Can you imagine? At the general judgment, you died in a state of grace. Your body comes out of the grave. And we all say, we all say, free at last. Free at last. Thank God Almighty, I am free at last. I plan on saying those words, church. I plan on saying those words, family. Remember, we serve the virgin most powerful, a 12-star general. Pray the Holy Rosary and read the Holy Bible every day. By doing so, by doing so, you inflict pain and torment and drive demons away from you and your family. Let's unite our prayers to the heel of the Blessed Virgin Mary. Let's unite our prayers to the sword of St. Michael and continue delivering powerful blows to the kingdom of darkness and tear down the gates of hell, which are modernism, Marxism, and masonry. This is our Esther moment. We are destined for such a time as this. We have to rise to the occasion. The time for wavering is over. The time for playing with sin is over. Remember, church, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Up next, stick around. You don't want to miss what's coming up next. Gary Machuda coming to you from the Midwest Command Center. As for Jesus 911, we're out. Eat you end of watch. We'll see you next time. Same Christ time, same Christ channel. America, wake up. Don't hit the snooze button. Global warming alert. Jesus is coming. Are you ready? Make sure that before you die, you leave it all out on the field.